Hello, I'm Derek Lawrence. And I'm Chancellor Agard. Welcome to EW's Binge Community, as we like to call it, Chance, Chance and Derek, and Derek on, on the Binge. We had to do it. We had to do it. Please don't let our nerdiness stop you from continuing. We're excited to be guiding you through community, um, one of our personal favorites. This is our kickoff episode. We're just kind of introducing the project. Um, we're going to have a great conversation with creator Dan Harmon. And then on subsequent episodes, we'll be doing uh, each one on one season of the show. And we'll be talking each one of those episodes to a member of the cast or um, two members of the cast together, which all those conversations were, were really fun and really interesting. So due to the quarantine, all these conversations were recorded via Zoom. Yep. Me and you would probably be talking about community just at our desk right now, just with no one filming, um, if it wasn't for, for this whole um, situation we're in. It comes up uh, quite often at work. <laughs> yes, it does. Absolutely. Um, but then we were lucky enough for us as fans and then just for the world in general, I dare I say, for community to be added to Netflix uh, in the last few weeks. We've spoken about this, our uh, EW's TV critic, Darren, we've all talked about the fact that like, we all love community and wish that it had the same sort of, I guess, resurgence of the culture as you said, The Office, as Parks and Rec, as Friends. I mean, we we joke often, we're like, no, community be on Netflix will we'll, we'll finally be the thing to take down Friends nostalgia. You know, <laughs> I stand by that. I remember we had this person coming to The Office, uh, this high schooler, and they were talking about what they're watching, and they're like, oh yeah, we love Friends. I'm like, you guys weren't even alive when it was on. Hopefully, they will fall in love with community, which is a delightful show. Like I said, each episode we're gonna be talking to a member of the cast and we've got, you know, we got basically, you know, everyone. We have uh, Joel McHale, Allison Brie, Ken Jeong, Yvette Nicole Brown, Jim Rash, Danny Pudi, Gillian Jacobs. Um, so look forward to those coming up in the subsequent episodes. But today's chat is with creator Dan Harmon. We're not going specific on one season. Um, we're just kind of talking about the creation of the show and kind of the, the wild ride that that he went on with this. I feel like we could have talked to him for hours. Easily. You know, as much as I'm sure people love hearing us chat, um, let's get to the, to the interview with Dan Harmon. Um, so take it away. Dan, how you doing? I'm fantastic, thanks. Holding up. Thank you so much for joining us. Obviously we're doing this because for a few reasons. A, People are stuck indoors, hence why we're doing this on Zoom. And it just happened to be that community landed on Netflix right as this was, was coming down. Um, have you already sensed like new energy about the show just in the few weeks it's been on Netflix? To the extent that it, it, it's able to trickle through the gravel that is my unearned Salinger phase where uh, the only social media account I have is Instagram. I even there. Yes, I see people. I saw people celebrating it coming to Netflix. And then I saw recently somebody said it was doing well on Netflix. I don't know what metric we use for that. Well, I think like Netflix just added this feature where like on like the homepage, it has like a top 10. Uh -huh. When I was watching on Netflix, every time I'd click on community it would say it's number eight or nine in the top 10 of the day. So seems, right. seems, seems like it's doing well. Yeah, and I can see why because if if, if it's uh, rewatches because it's been the right amount of time, um, even for somebody who's been too inside it, which could be refer to either me or the fans. I mean, we both had a passionate relationship with the show that's resulted in me not really watching it for a long time, and for a totally unrelated reason, I I was watching one of the episodes and I ended up in this four or five episode binge and. I'm the guy that has the the worst anxiety about the show and the most reasons to turn his head head away and stuff like that. And I was just like, wow, this is like 
it's been just long enough and this is just easy enough to keep it running that and it's just a kind of delightful binging experience on netflix um I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky talk about the cast like danny said he's been watching it for the first time with his kids and you know allison said she was re-watching it and she's like there's stuff they didn't remember or stuff mm. like that they didn't even realize maybe made the cut because you're so in it, right? Yeah, it's long overdue for me to just start from episode one and move forward. And that's going to be a really cool experience, I think. Probably have to do it alone so that my fiance doesn't dislodge her eyes, rolling them back into her head at me <laughs> laughing out loud at my at my show. Going back to kind of the start of the show, really, what was the, the origin of this and the impetus for this idea and kind of these characters in this world? Well, it was uh, it, yeah, it was a real experience. Me going to community college. I think I was like thirty-two when I did that. Because I was there for fun and thirty-two, I was just naturally acing the class because I was actually there to be fascinated with that stuff. So it gave me this huge advantage over all these eighteen, nineteen-year-old kids that had it as a requirement in order to get out of the situation that they were in. And so they're getting the usual grades, and then two, you know, some of them came up to me and asked me to study with them. And the the thing that was important about the experience was just how, how up my butt my head was about it. Cause I just remember these guys asking me to study with them and inside my head going, if, if there was no social consequences to the behavior, I would just ghost these guys. I'm gonna go to the bathroom and bring my jacket, wallet and uh, keys with me. In case there's a fire. And it was amazing to me looking back at a snapshot of that thought process a couple hours later when I was studying with them. And when this epiphany came over me, just this feeling of like, I was having the greatest time of my life. There was this experience of like really wanting them to understand cellular mitosis versus meiosis and, and watching them learn it and then explain it to each other. No, bro, no. The, you, you're thinking of meiosis and and like I, I just like I was like holy crap this feels so good this is something I would do for fun why is that and I was like well the answer is probably a big dodoy for just about any other 32 year old man you're just incredibly stunted like you've made it to this age with and and this tastes like candy to you and all it is is other human beings and, uh, and so, so, so that in my head, I was like, wow, I am messed up. Like I am a, I am a pretty rare specimen of Jack. And that for me then clicked as like, okay, so the next time I'm pitching a network, I don't have to pitch them the robot show or the show about people who produce your dreams or the conceptual medieval fantasy thing. Or I can finally satisfy myself and them by saying, this is a show about a fish out of water. Because that fish out of water is gonna is me, and it's a it's an asshole, but one you'll learn to like because you'll cast a handsome guy in the role, and it's but it's it's about the kinds of things that people care about. In putting these characters together, I mean, what were you looking for? Like, what how I guess how hard was it, that process to come up with who would eventually become Troy and who would eventually become Annie? Like, is there like a reject pile of characters you guys ended up not use not using? Oh yeah, like I'm pretty sure. It would almost be socially criminal, the reject pile, because I do remember, well, I don't remember a lot of specifics. I do remember the note from Krasnov when I gave him my first list of characters was he, his response was, this kind of reads like a Benetton billboard. 
and, and, and he's like, you're, you're describing these characters by their nationality and race. Like you're saying that this person's an African-American divorcee and that this woman is a Russian immigrant. Um, and, and I was like, well, yeah, I want it to be a really diverse thing. And he's like, the, we can do that in casting. Um, what you need to do right now is create characters that you know. You've heard it's loser college for remedial teens, 20-something dropouts, middle-aged divorcees, and old people keeping their minds active as they circle the drain of eternity. That's what you've heard. However, I wish you luck. That combined with my absolute laziness um, resulted in a technique that I still to this day, I always um, share with people, which is what I started to do because I'd be on my way to Sony to meet with this guy and furnish him with the homework that I hadn't done and, and was doing in the 40 minute cab ride on the way to, to the, the Sony lot is I would just go through my phone and everybody by the age of 30 has, you know, a million numbers in their phone that are just so incidental. And uh, you just scroll through them and it's just like all these names that pop up. Um, just pay attention to your little Scientology e-meter. Your that was just, just like like focus very delicately on the slightest charge that you get out of any name when you see it, and it's important that it's not like oh that's the most important person I've ever thought about, and oh my gosh I had so many fights with this person or I was so in love with this person. I, the more profound results actually come from people that you're not used to thinking about very consciously. And so, for example, the character of Pierce. One of his foundational um, inspirations was the father of an ex-girlfriend of mine. I like you, Jeffrey. You remind me of myself at your age. I deserve that. When I was dating his daughter, the phone would ring, and that was back when you kind of had to answer. It was a landline. You didn't know who it was. And so I would just answer the phone, and, and, and you know, I'll make up a name for him to call him Mike Johnson, but he would go... Dan Harmon, Mike Johnson calling. Just, listen, I just want to read you this article. Boy, I'm reading the uh, LA Weekly right now, and they say, there is a new wine in town, and they're calling it Two Buck Chuck. And he would just, like, read me an article about wine. <laughs> and I still don't know why. We, we all know a million people like that that have this, like, collection of, like, you know, things, and they may not seem like they're on theme altogether, especially not, that's a good guy, that's a bad guy, that's a sexy person, that's a person I root for. Forget all that stuff. Just these... These constellations of charged traits and then to kind of put them all together and, and just take notice of them and keep scrolling through that phone. So that was the technique for, for forging characters. Sorry my answers are so long. I'm born again. Oh! We had a rebirthing ritual in my friend's hot tub. I'm now a level five laser lotus in my Buddhist community. Uh, that does not sound like Buddhism. Are you sure you're not in a cult? Just... By asking me that question, you put me back down to a level four. You now owe me 2,000 Energon cubes. And it almost felt like you were sneaking something else in under the umbrella of it being, you know, this traditional, you know, friend sitcom. Did you always know what it would become when you went to start making it? No, not really. Although I did prepare the Abed character as a ripcord. Um, 
that's why I didn't mention his film major in the pilot episode, but I did as soon as, you know, we were making new episodes. The first thing I wanted to do was establish canonically that Abed was there to major in film. Wait, what is he saying? He says we're leaving. Tell him that you want to stay and study film. I don't think I'm really in the scene. See, it was hard enough to talk to him before. Now we have this between us. Because back then, it was even harder to get anything perceivable as meta across the uh, desk of anybody. And so I do remember thinking in my head, that'll come in handy if I need to do something crazy. However, it wasn't my goal to do something crazy. It was my goal to get a pool um, and a health plan. You can see in season (laughs) one the desperate um, attempt to... I didn't think I was mimicking, but it was sort of, you know, doing what I thought I should be doing. And you can see the successes and failures kind of wobbling. And and then it's toward the end of that season that things start to blossom just out of desperation and Hail Marys, just more, more out of an almost a defeatist sort of like, OK, you're never going to be on primetime television again. You're going to get canceled. Let's therefore stop trying to figure out how to break stories about credit cards and hairstyles and let's just go what for me is the more effortless route since we're not coming back sort of thing that, that that's always the case you know it's like you judge you you're, you're you're trying to do your job right and you're the one that's uh making yourself do it wrong because what are you doing you're 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 not being yourself you know and, and so that was the classic one of those it was it was toward the end of season one when we had you know a distracted Sony who was working on other pilots at the same time as NBC wanted three new episodes to make it 25 for that season. And those three episodes, I believe, were um, the Scorsese Chicken Fingers episode, uh, Paintball, and the the one that sort of touched on Animal House, um, uh, among other things. And we'll visit the man in the moon. Hey, hey, hey! What the hell? Hey, what Animal House, a reference my ears applaud. I couldn't resist. You know, it's like you, then you read the reviews and, um, and it was like, I think going into season two, it was sort of like the only thing that we accomplished was a couple of reviews that distinguished us from 30 Rock, distinguished us from Parks and Rec, um, not because we were better or worse, but because we were at least different and not something that was just trying and failing to be also them. And so this is our survival mechanism is to get more reviews like this, not Nielsen ratings, which are never going to happen. It's funny you mentioned sort of the looking back at season one and the highs and lows and sort of figuring out what the show could be. Remember at the at the reunion you guys did at Vulture Fest in the fall, uh, you were talking also, you, you mentioned how you felt like Intro to Statistics was one of the episodes where you felt like, oh, this is going to work. Um Curious for you, do you remember what about that episode really stood out to you and convinced you that this, oh, this, we have something here? Well, it was uh, Justin Lin, um, who the Russo brothers brought in um, to do that first Halloween episode. Just in talking to him, it was, I realized that the worlds of professional broadcast worthy storytelling and the guerrilla filmmaking world that I had come from. Um, that they weren't mutually exclusive. The, the, but, uh, you know, it was just, it was the Annie Jeff vibe that was in particular, it was Alison Brie beginning to inhabit um, the character of Annie on that episode. Previous to that, she was essentially Tracy Flick as, as written by me in the pilot. 
it was just sort of the writers started to get it, um, myself included, like having watched Allison on set interacting with the other actors started to just create a bridge between the real Allison with all of her silliness and appeal and a character that happens to be a type A personality. This party is the second chance to be cool, laid back. And then to top it all off, it was the first episode where we suddenly were told we owed a bunch of tags for the first six episodes. And so the first one we, we crapped out was putting Donald and Danny next to each other. Um, and doing the kind of Cookie Monster Batman conversation, which I think was basically entirely ad-libbed. I'm Batman. You sound like Cookie Monster. I'm Batman. That's Batman. We shot that. I ran upstairs from the from the Halloween episode where those guys were sitting on the floor ad-libbing about Cookie Monster, and I I ran upstairs and wrote the Biblioteca rap um, so that it could be stuck onto the end of the second episode. Manteca, picote, gigante, pequeño, cabeza is nieve, cerveza is bueno. Buenos días, me gustas papas frias, bigote de la cabra, es camarón días. Anyways, but, but the, yeah, so that, all of that is why that episode is so magical. Um, you know, I've been playing Batman and just, uh, it, it, was, it was a real sweet, um, episode as well. It had. It, it just felt like it was like a really nice marriage between uh, grown-up TV and totally childish TV, like without them hurting each other. Yeah. One of the things that struck me on the rewatch is like obviously the whole show starts with uh, Jeff forming this study group just to just to get closer to Britta, right? And then you you talk about the evolution of Andy, and then Annie gets has her own stuff with with Jeff. Um, but you guys fully never really went there with either one it's not like you were like oh this show at the end it's all about these two people having to be together and you also never what i really appreciate you never made it this love triangle how did you approach that and why did you like taking a different uh angle with it than like most uh shows would go well because you know there was a lot of pressure based on the office which was at its peak at that time and there was a lot of talk about are you guys gonna have the obvious engine that's making that thing really run uh, a will they won't they and we did try it i mean i'm you see me trying it in the pilot it's uh, it's not like anyone was making me sell out when i wrote that that was my instinct as well was like oh the girl's the carrot the guy's the rabbit and that's how comedy will happen a bunch of things happened they just sort of cascaded the first one was hillary winston um as soon as we were we're you know i'm no longer uh, writing the show by myself now i have my first staff of writers on a broadcast tv show um, and, uh, and Hillary Winston, uh, when I say like, let's talk about the characters in order and just get our thoughts together before we start writing episodes, I said, what about Britta? And Hillary said, I don't like her. And, um, and then listening to Hillary talk about Britta, um, which started with like, I wouldn't trust her if I was a woman. I understand that she means well and that she's saying the kinds of things that you're supposed to say as a woman, but that's what makes me not trust her because I need a confidant um, behind the scenes because the truth is I do want to talk about shoes sometimes and sh I feel like she might sell me out if I did that and I wouldn't, I wouldn't go pee with her. Um, and stuff like, so it's stuff like that starts to dimensionalize Britta right away because all of a sudden there's women in the room. Sounds like somebody has the case of likes to use fringe politics to make themselves feel special, but doesn't actually ever want to do anything. Itis. No, I do things. I, I went to, I don't do anything. 
then like I think it was just in the longer term the reason why it didn't devolve into into triangle stuff was because just monitoring the the Twitter sphere, watching people go, oh, gross, he's too old for her. But at the same time as watching like young women go, you know, I'm swooning about this forbidden kind of like, you know, crush um, on both sides, like fantasizing about being Annie and having a pretty age inappropriate crush and stuff like that. People have, the bottom line was mixed feelings. I wish I could live two lives. One of me would go with Vaughn and one of me could stay here. Yeah, one of me could be back with Slater and the other could try it with Britta. And then we could all get together for some weird foursome. Um, I guess I gotta, gotta deal with it. Good luck. I think that it was just a matter of always having those conversations in the writer's room and then having really smart people like Emily Cutler who would say things like, let's just say that they already fucked. Sorry, I can't, as I not use that language. Uh, but, 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 but it was like, like there were brilliant strokes of that. It was like simultaneously a middle finger to what have become TV conventions, but not at the expense of alienation. It's because it's how life works, like finding out that a couple of your friends have been hooking up and not telling anybody about it. It's like creates these feelings of like anxiety and fury and why didn't you loop me in on this? And it, it, it does happen. You want the reality, which is actually the way that we feel about one another is a tightrope and sometimes we make mistakes and we, uh, we, 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 usually, we usually regret like drifting from the family dynamic into uh into the uh into the into the conjugation because if you're not going to end up uh with that person forever then what you're doing is you're threatening everybody in the in the family with that hookup and you touched on this a bit i think also especially talking about the the fake clip show episode that everyone finding out i think using it that way too it also keeps it keeps the story it's still about the family and not about the hookup which in community is ultimately about the study group and what they, the lengths they go to to stay together and all that. Yeah. And that allowed you to root for Jeff and Britta in a way that nobody ever did. Everyone hated the idea of Jeff and Britta, um, toward, not towards the end. They started to warm up to it a little bit, but, but initially it was like, if you're going to shove this Jeff Britta thing down my throat, I, I don't have a single opinion about Jeff and Annie, but if, if you really think you're going to make this delectable to me, I got a, I got a, I got a, I got another uh, thing coming for you. Too much sexual tension, damn bursting. <laughs> but once they're, once you're able to contextualize it as them being selfish buffoons who are so jaded and callous that they can actually find comfort in each other in a totally non-Jim and Pam like hookup, and and that they, do, they they're so short-sighted that they they fail to have empathy for everyone else around them. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's in that episode where the, yeah, they're on the, the Habitat for Humanities bit with the destroyed house. And it's like, it was Chris McKenna's idea to, let's just do a classic, like, the, those two start to step forward and then they don't and everyone else steps forward. And it's like the idea of having Jeff and Britta both do that um, was a real lightning bolt because it's like, oh, yeah, those two do share something profound, which is that they're completely selfish people. 
I feel like you've heard six seasons of a movie probably so many times in your life that it's like uh, crazy. What were you surprised by how much of a rallying cry that became? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was no, there was absolutely no intention on the set of like, and plus maybe this will become like a hashtag for our show. Not at all. It was. Uh, I want to say that was like a Chris McKenna line as as Abed's running away. Six seasons in a movie. <laughs> Um, speaking of six seasons, the season six finale, the show's series finale, I think, I love it. I love it a lot. I'm curious, when you were writing it, at that point, did you know that that would be the end? Uh, no, I think, I think, I think, I think it was pretty clear that we were wrapping things up. I think the writing was on the wall that maybe Yahoo had backed the wrong horse in our show. Or, <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that not only were we going down, but <laughs> we might have to forever be haunted by their ghost too um but uh i mean they were so kind to us it's a it's a shame that they were in any way punished for their belief uh, in us but um i think i think i remember i think i felt at the time that um i was weighing the best and worst case scenarios the 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 worst case scenario would be not bringing things to a decent enough conclusion that if it, if you never saw another frame of this saga that it would have an ending that you could identify um and you, when you compare that to the scenario of like oh but then they got a seventh season so they had to undo some of that stuff big deal so undo it no one's going to care then because it's not going to be the last episode so it was very important to to me to 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 wrap things up with 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 those characters and and it was very very difficult to 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 figure out what to be done about the Jeffy Annie thing which those are a very important handful of years that the show is on the air not only is your those those young ladies who felt empowered maybe by a, a inappropriate crush story Six years makes those women young adults that maybe have every right to be disgusted by it at that point. They're starting to, and, and also our culture was aging so rapidly that what started as something that might have played in the late 90s, like quickly became something that we would come to use the word problematic for in terms of that relationship, because you're really starting to identify how much younger she is and and all these things. And people are starting to watch television together on the internet. And so... Um, it was like, well, they still have chemistry together and we don't want to retcon that they like each other. Um, but, um, what do we do here? And, uh, it was my ex-wife, Erin McGathy, who as I was texting her, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. And she said, did you ever see drop dead Fred? I hadn't. And, and, um, she showed me, uh, the end of that movie where it was like, well, there wasn't a sexual relationship between, um, the female lead and, and drop dead Fred in that movie. Um, but there's a very, very sweet goodbye kiss that it's, it's romantic without being sexual. And, um, and, and it's, it's, it's sad and it's, it's conclusive. And, um, and, and so that was a, that was a stroke of, of, of good fortune. I think you should kiss me goodbye or you might regret it for the rest of your life. What about you? Well, I'll regret the kiss for a week. I'm in my twenties. Who cares? Well, Dan, I, I appreciate you taking the time. That's, uh, we, we took up a lot of your time. So I appreciate you uh, giving us some great info and, and jumping on with us. 
Oh, it's no Same. problem. I'm, I am. I'm really sorry that my answers are so long that that you you get to ask less questions, and it, it's just a a thing I have to forgive myself for and go to my grave regretting. No, no, I mean, no. Long answers. Long answers are, are always better than than, than short ones. Well, okay. <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. If I think chance, and I think about you a lot, I mean, we're, we're that close. Um, community, that's what I think of. Am I right in that? And if so, why? You are. This show not only shaped my sense of humor, but also just like my personality and what I like and what I love. I mean, I think it's like, I can definitely credit this show for the fact that I love meta humor. I, again, I just felt that it was speaking my language and understood me and I understood it. I got the same wave thing as it very quickly. Yeah, you know, we talked about those other shows like The Office and Parks and Rec, but for Community, there was never a show more inventive to me and more creative. We knew it at the time, but it really is crazy that they did some of the things they did on NBC, on network television. Um, it's it's really awesome to see that that kind of creativity was was able to be put on the air for as many seasons as it was. On this rewatch, it, it was really a delight, like rewatching yeah. these episodes and going through these um, seasons. I, I look forward to us talking about not just those uh, high concept episodes, but also um, the more sincere, sweet, uh, down to earth ones. I mean, I agree. Cause I think the uh, the thing that makes this show so engaging, like once you get past the sort of pop culture humor, the fact that it's ultimately about the importance of of like lowercase community of having people around you and how important it is to cherish, cherish those, those relationships and fight for them. And uh, it just, again, just importance of like being there for each other, which I think is, I mean, not to get all sappy and on my like some high but I think that's like a nice message right now go, with everything that we're going through right now. And, um, and that's what we're doing with community. We're holding on to this as long as we can. Oh, yeah. You've sat through our thoughts on community, but we now want to hear yours. So to hit us with your favorite episodes, your favorite performances, anything, you can find me on Twitter at, at Derek J. Lawrence. And me at Chancellor Agard. Thanks for joining us today. And please remember to subscribe to EW Binge wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss an episode. Tune into the next episode. Uh, we'll be talking season one with Joel McHale. Uh, until then, class dismissed.